0: welcome to street smart success this is roger becker your host the part of multifamily that no one talks about is construction yet your approach to construction can make or break the deal whether you hire third-party property management to manage the process or you try to manage subcontractors on your own the process is fraught with potential pitfalls today's guest jeff rosenfeld executive vice president and chief business development officer, is a partner in Adevo Construction, a national general contracting company that specializes in value-add multifamily. So today we have with us a little. There's a little twist because um, you know mostly I'm talking with operators and and the like, and uh, we're going to go today at a different angle, which is intriguing to me because it it's uh, kind of behind the scenes of some of the most critical, if not the most critical component to this whole thing, which is the construction uh, component. And so today we have with us uh, Jeff Rosenfeld, who is the executive vice president, chief business development manager, having a tough time talking this morning, of Devo Construction that specializes in value add for multifamily apartments. And as interesting and maybe even more interesting is kind of a cool little thing is jeff is also a city councilman uh, in boca raton anyway jeff welcome to street smart success
1: hey good morning roger thank you for having me on the show it's a pleasure
0: yeah of course and um you know
1: so you come at it
0: from a gc perspective and, and i guess you know, before we get into the hammers and, and the screwdrivers and the, and the demoing stuff, which you probably personally never do, uh, but before we get into that, your personal background, you sound like you, like everybody else from South Florida is from the Northeast, but you tell me, like, where do you hail from? Where were you born? Where did you grow up and how did you ultimately uh, wind up down in, in South Florida?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I still cannot lose my uh, Brooklyn accent. I was originally born and raised in uh, New York City area, uh, born in Brooklyn, subsequently moved to uh, Queens. I started my career out. I, I graduated from Boston University. So I went to school in Boston, started my career out working for American Express and Merrill Lynch in their construction audit department and subsequently relocated to Florida some uh, 21 years ago. So Florida being a transient state, I would say that I'm indigenous now to Florida. Uh, I got started in the industry some 15 years ago, starting in property preservation and worked for a number of years for a property preservation company during the uh, 2006 downturn where there was a tremendous amount of foreclosures, a lot of property management companies were responsible for maintaining foreclosed and PFI properties prior to them either being taken back by the bank or retraded to a new institutional investor or somebody that wanted to occupy the property. And, you know, being involved in that industry, I got my first feel for construction. And subsequent to that, we started to devote construction some seven years ago with the concept of being uh, a differentiator or a disruptor in the renovation of apartment properties when i say a disruptor we didn't want to disrupt the asset owner's ability to maximize their investment what we wanted to do was offer to the asset owner an alternative methodology for renovating their property in a turnkey fashion and allowing them to focus their energies and their efforts on developing a larger portfolio, identifying new properties, and then identifying operational efficiencies within the confines of the portfolio they already held. The problem being a lot of asset owners, when they pick up a distressed property, don't have the construction expertise to understand what needs to be done at the property, and they get a lot of hammering associated with trying to identify the right subcontractor or the right construction management company that's going to operate in their best interest so we're a strategic partner we don't take an equity position in any assets so it's particularly important to us when we work with a client that we help them achieve not only their fit and finish expectations but their financial expectations as well because our intention is not only to help them maximize the value of the current asset we're working on, but to have a future relationship so they can have reliance on us when they buy an asset that's heavily distressed. They know they have a good strategic partner to assist them in renovating the property and help cash flow it. So just out of curiosity, do you yourself... Can you fix things? Can can you do? Construction? I actually am pretty handy to believe it or not. I'm, I invest on my own accord, not to the extent that our asset owners do. But I don't have the expertise of Bogdan Manoli, our chief construction officer. But I guess I can do, quote unquote, some advanced handyman work. But we have five hundred skilled laborers out in the field that clearly have the capability to renovate unit interiors, common area, amenity upgrades you know, window replacement, roofing work, plumbing, electrical, we're a turnkey shop. So we try to allow the asset owner to come to us and have only one person to deal with, which alleviates, you know, managing multiple subcontractors, having to have a construction management person on site. You know, we take the responsibility not only of doing the construction work, but we also manage the process and manage the client's expectations as well. Uh, You know, a down asset does not create any cash flow for a particular asset owner. So we look at each asset differently. You know, some asset owners like to pick up what we call light rehab that they may just want to refresh the outside with a new branding message in order to drive track of it for occupancy. Other ones of our owners buy highly distressed properties that are essentially just shelves of buildings and we will come in and and rebuild the subfloors put all the infrastructure in place, renovate the units, and then get the asset up and running. So you you know the old analogy, Roger, the deeper the distress, the better the rewards. But oftentimes asset owners, because they're not that familiar with construction are often scared off by the deeply distressed assets. The ones that are just shells of buildings or the ones that they went out with a hair on fire and say, hey, this thing's a disaster. I'm never going to touch it. Well, that's our sweet spot. We could work on that. In the same fashion, we can work on a B asset that somebody's looking to make to an A minus asset.
0: You know, I'm going to take a, a half a step back or a full step back just for clarification for the heck of it. You said we founded a Devo seven years ago. So are you one of the principals of it?
1: I am. I'm one of the founding principals of it. It's myself, uh, Jeff Rochow, the president of the company, Bogdan Manoli, who's our chief construction officer with a three individuals that started the company and then Spi levin is our chairman and the person that um you know essentially capitalized the company and has generic oversight for the company's operations got it Uh, that's that's cool stuff and when you uh when you say
0: 500 skilled laborers out in the in the field and this this is probably a stupid question but this is why i wanted to do this interview because i don't know anything about construction 500 those aren't all your employees are they
1: yeah, they are. They're all W-2 employees. We don't utilize any subcontractors whatsoever. And the rationale behind that, Roger, is that uh, we don't cross our discipline. So the, the crew that we utilize to do interior unit turns specifically focuses on unit interior turns. The guy that does interior paint has been doing interior paint for seven or eight years and does perfect in lines. The guy that does my exterior window install, my roofing work, would never go inside the building and vice versa. By doing so, the workers become specialized in that particular attribute of their trade and deliver a better end quality product to the asset owner. That's pretty impressive. And so, Jeff, when you say alternative
0: methodology, what does that mean?
1: Well, most of the companies or our experience has been that a majority or a good portion of the companies will utilize a third-party construction management company to oversee their construction. Well, these are not general contractors like us. These are property management people. So what do they do? They get, I guess, the scope of work from the asset owner relative to what their expectations are, but they don't have our level of sophistication and expertise. When we go in and build a scope for a client, we investigate all the surrounding properties, look at the upgrades and finishes that, the new construction is putting in and try to mirror those so that they become competitive with newer inventory on the marketplace, but can market their units at a negative discount to what new inventory is trading for. When a construction management company comes in, they just develop a scope of work with not an understanding of what the return on investment is. You never want to over-improve a property, Roger, nor do you ever want to under-improve it. If you under-improve it, you're leaving potential, a bump up in basis of rent on the table. If you over-improve it, you're putting money out and not getting a return on investment for it. So to have the level of sophistication that we have, that we work in so many different markets, understand the demographics, understand the nature of the workforce, understand the nature of the new construction, we're much better suited to strategically guide our clients relative to the appropriate level of renovation to put in their property. And that's why our clients come back to us time and time again, because it's not about us saying, hey, let us charge you the most amount of money. It's about finding the right mix of upgrades and finishes that will yield the greatest return, quickest absorption, and greatest overall contribution to the value of the asset. But the story doesn't stop there, because once you're done with the construction, most construction companies pack up, shop and leave. We stay behind and further market the property through our marketing department with design boards and email blasts to help in the absorption of the renovated units. So when I say we're turnkey, we are cradle to grave. We start out and help them making the selection of materials. We do the construction work. We manage the construction work. And then we help them market the property so they get full absorption post construction. Do you, and that's what i mean be by Turkey. Do you deal with any property management
0: companies? I understand that there could be a rub, but property management. Not t- at
1: all. Not at all. Not at all. We work very nicely in conjunction. We work directly with asset owners, a lot of asset owners because of the nature of their business do not use construction management companies. We work with them directly. Oftentimes, um, asset owners of assets throughout the United States. It's impossible for them to either self-manage, so they hire a third-party management company. We just become an extension and work in conjunction with that third-party management company to achieve the objectives of the asset owner. Now, does it make it a little bit more complex because you're talking to three parties, rather? excuse me, two parties rather than one? Absolutely. But we do it day in and day out. We work with the biggest, the gray stars, the UDRs of the world, but we also work with The asset owners own third party management company, and we work with the asset owners directly in a scenario where they don't have a management company in place. We self-perform and self-supervise. So a lot of the services we provide, Roger, mirror what the third party management company does. Our intention is not to eliminate them, our intention is to work in concert with them to, to provide the best M quality product to the asset owner.
0: It's a, it's a very interesting dynamic. And so how how many markets are you in? Kind of, maybe not, well, I guess, sure. How many markets, but where, where are you mostly? Are you really all over the country? Are you mostly in the South?
1: Yeah, we really are all over the country. I mean, the majority, we're national in scope. We operate in all markets on all asset classes. The majority of our work based on demographic flows and the shift of population happens to be now in the Southeast, Southwest, and Midwest Uh, based on some exogenous factors, i.e. COVID, and people looking to move to less congested areas has been a demographic shift, as everybody's aware of, which is now making properties in the Florida area, the Carolina area, Texas, and Phoenix significantly more desirable than uh, highly densely populated infill areas. And that's right into our sweet spot because those are the areas that we service. Now to answer your question, and I'm sorry, you look like you can ask me a question. I'm going to go ahead and answer your question before you answer it. You know, we work on all types of asset classes. So when you ask me, you know, where do you work? How many units do you work on? We can work on a 60-unit asset that's completely down and have that asset up and running in six months. Conversely, we can work on a 500-unit asset that's a B-minus asset where they're looking to do interior renovations, where we might be on the project for two, two and a half years the end result is the same. It's just that the composition of the asset and the buyer of the asset has a different methodology by which they want to renovate their asset, or they have a different criteria by which they buy it. Well, you know, I I was
0: going to say something I think probably different, and it was just an observation, and pardon the stereotype, it's probably not fair, but I would guess you are the only man in the country today and potentially this month in the construction industry that is worth use the term exogenous.
1: Probably. <laughs> Hopefully everybody knows what it means. I don't want anybody to get the wrong interpretation. I assume you know what it means, right? It means, it means extraneous or outside factors that affect a market in a certain uh, fashion. Uh, you know, I,
0: I understood the word up to X and the uh, John and uh, John, you know, you know, I can't even pronounce the term. Okay. Right? We,
1: yeah, I'm a lowly podcast host. I've heard All right. All different terminology next time, but the intent of that to say was that there's outside forces that are affecting the multifamily industry. And, you know, just talking about multifamily in general, if you look at the four legs of real estate right now single family, commercial, office space, and multifamily, two of which I went in touch with a 10 foot pole. I wouldn't want to be an office space in downtown Manhattan right now. Commercial space has certain pockets of activity where there's a concentration of work and labor forces, but the strongest tools right now are single family homes because there's a dearth of inventory and nobody can find affordable housing. And that's why there's such tremendous demand in multifamily right now. You got the baby boomers retiring, and you got the millennials that can't afford the down payments on their houses. And that's all converging together to create tremendous demand for multifamily. Got it. Yeah. No. It's and it looks like it's uh,
0: not not turning anytime soon. So th- logistically, though, how on earth? So you said you have five hundred employees. Ho- ho- holy cow! I mean, and you guys are you know relatively new, seven years. That's it's like amazing. It sounds like you guys really identified an extraordinary niche, and your timing could not have been better. But if like if I have 200 units, and I and I want you. And it's a deep value add in Minneapolis. Do you schlep like 30 guys up to Minneapolis and put them in hotels? How does all that work?
1: No, it doesn't work. Well, first we don't schlep them. They come by our Devo vans, all fully uniformed so they can be identified at the property. But they actually take occupancy at the property. We're working on two projects in Phoenix now for one of our institutional clients and we have 50 guys living at the job site so they'll take occupancy in a couple of apartments do all the necessary renovation work be it lender requirements interior renovation common area upgrades amenity upgrades or exterior work renovate their units last and then move off the property the benefit of that is better interface better logistics with on-site management and or whoever's managing the property and it gives us the maximum time to work at the property and there's no hand-wringing worrying about whether somebody's going to show up and be at my job today so if i'm the asset owner i have a better level of assurance that the company that's on site is going to meet the cadence of renovation that i have laid out in my business plan because the speed to renovation roger allows the asset owner to recognize the returns they're looking for. If I take 20 units offline and don't renovate them, not only are they gonna lose the rent for that month, but they're gonna suffer the loss to lease associated with those being down units for that period of time. So with that being said, anything we take offline, be it five units or 50 units, we completely renovate, construction clean, final clean, and put back into the asset owner's inventory in one rent cycle. So there's no downtime. They don't have to bring in a punch crew. They don't have to bring in a cleaning crew. All they have to do is take those keys and get those units occupied. In addition to us doing the work, it gives the leasing office an understanding of what their inventory, is so they can start pre-marking those units as we're renovating it. So it mitigates the amount of time that those units are in cash flowing, which is of ultimate importance to the asset owner. People get involved in multifamily for cash flow. I talk to developers all the time and you ask, well, is it better to build the building ground up or is it better to take a distressed building and rehab it? Well, if you're going to get a new construction, it's going to take you three years to get that thing out of the ground, get it permanent and get it up and running. You can buy an asset today and have it cash flowing tomorrow. It may not be cash flowing at the level you want, but it's a cash flowing asset. And as you continue to improve it, you're only going to enhance the overall value of the asset and your cash flow. What drives the value of a multifamily asset is not its location. It's part of the location and it's part of the condition. But the real driver of the value of a multifamily asset is the cash flow associated with it. So, the larger the cash flow as a multiplier of the cap rate gives you a tremendous increase in the value of the asset. So, when you improve your asset, you're accomplishing two things you're increasing your immediate cash flow you're improving the quality of the of the asset so you're adding millions of dollars of value to it so not only are you getting an immediate bump but if you decide to retrade that asset you're going to get significantly more money for the asset than you paid for it when you first bought it so an asset owner could buy an asset for a couple of reasons i could buy an asset a b asset improve it and cash flow it in perpetuity And the asset will naturally appreciate and I'll be able to continue increasing my rents to the point at which the renovation becomes outdated and then wash, rinse and repeat. I renovate the property again and then bump the rents up again. Other people will buy a 500 unit asset and do something called proof of concept. They'll go in there and renovate half of the units, demonstrate they can get a $250 rent bump and then have a secondary investor come in there pay them the premium for what they've done. And then that second investor has that extra half of the building to renovate. So they get an additional bump up in basis. Right. So again, just out of curiosity,
0: because I don't I don't understand construction, is so if there's a heavy value add, let's say 200 unit C class, generally speaking, how many of your employees will be on that site at any given point in time working on it?
1: Every job, because we're such a hands-on company, every job, we personally walk scope in hand. Once the scope is developed, the scope is kind of your Bible for what the asset owner wants to achieve at the property. Once we have that scope in hand, we will take on no job before we fly out and meet with the asset owner, walk the property scope in hand to make sure there's no opportunities for us to value engineer anything they may uh, have on their scope of work or potentially something they may have overlooked that they don't see from an asset owner perspective that we see from a construction perspective. So to answer your question on a 200 unit asset, which your question, how much, uh, I'm sorry, I, I got a little sidetracked there. Ask the question again. No problem.
0: I'm just curious, how many guys would you have out there at any given point in time, like working on the project, And it, It's
1: all contingent on the scope of work. You know, if we're doing unit interiors, I'm gonna put a crew of two, depending upon two factors. How quickly does the asset owner want to move through the asset? If there's 200 units and we're doing rounds of 20, I can get that done in five weeks if I put 20 guys out there. If they're doing it 10 units at a time and they want to do exterior work and amenity upgrades, then I'm going to split my crew. I'm going to have 12 guys on the inside working on units, 10 guys on the outside doing the exterior paint and roofing work, and five guys doing amenity work. And that's the big, and that's, the rationale behind why we have specialization within the confines of our own worker group, because each group, depending upon the asset and what's required at the asset, a different component of our staff is going to be required to be at that property. And that's why we have so many different workers and the flexibility to customize the workforce to specifically address the scope of work that the asset owner is looking to achieve do, do. So there's no pad answer I can't say to you if you have 200 units and it's a C asset I'm going to put 50 guys on there because there could be five different asset owners that have a 200 unit asset that's a C class asset and they may have five different renovation strategies behind which they want to put that asset back online so yeah. it's all contingent upon the scope of work the speed in which the asset owner wants to get completed and the nature of the work that we're doing. So for a down asset that has no subfloors, I'm obviously going to put a different crew in there than somebody who's just doing interior paint, doing new cabinetry, hard surfaces, new plumbing. So it's all contingent upon the job. We look at each job at its own merit. We evaluate it for what is the best way to renovate it and what is the most effective way to renovate it so that the asset owner maximizes their investment. But at the same time, we're looking at the project to determine what is the best crew that would best service this client and who's best suited for it. And our crews are strategically placed throughout the United States. So we don't have 500 guys sitting in our corporate office in Florida. We got 50 guys in Texas, we got 50 guys in Phoenix, we got 30 guys in Ohio, you know, 75 guys in Georgia. So, contingent upon where the work is, we move the crews around to accommodate it. We can't expect the asset in order to buy assets where our crews are located. So we took on the posturing, Let's move our crews where the assets are located. Wow, oh, man, that's
0: super, super, super impressive.
1: Thank you. Well, yeah, um, and so you guys do
0: everything. So you do. So you have paving crews. You are painting crews. You have roofing guys. You have AC guys. I mean, you have just A to Z in house. Do you ever do you ever sub anything out?
1: The only thing we would sub out, and you um, you mentioned something, was uh, parking lots. Uh, The equipment you utilize for remilling and line striping or seal coating a parking lot are huge equipment that have to be trailered around throughout the United States. So rather than us buy that equipment and trailer it around, we have national relationships with companies that do uh, remilling and seal coating. Aside from that in pure stabilization, which means a building that is structurally unstable, we do everything. Roofing, windows, exterior paint, interior renovation, common area, lighting, amenity upgrades, outdoor kitchen, dog parks, playgrounds. Um, if I didn't mention something, it's not because we don't do it, it's just because I don't want to sit here and just go through a litany items that we've done. But we've done anything from splash pads to rebuilding balconies to re-roofing, to taking down buildings that have no windows and putting complete AC infrastructure in subfloors and windows. So in addition to that, and I forgot to mention that, but I think it's an important component. We're Not only are we turnkey, but we're also a 1% buyer from Home Depot and HD supply, which is particularly important now. Not only is the price of materials going up, but the availability of those materials is particularly uh, stretched right now due to the chip shortage and a variety of other factors that are affecting the industry right now so by us being a one percent buyer we get preferential treatment because we buy in such quantity we're going to be in front of the guy that buys 10 refrigerators because we buy a thousand of them at a time so our buying power is a positive to the asset owner because they can't go out on their own and procure what we can buy on their behalf and we usually can buy it at a negative discount what they would be able to buy it for on their own if they're even able to procure it
0: yeah wow
1: okay in addition to that we have our own cnc shop so we don't have to worry about getting chinese cabinets or cabinets we fabricate all our own cabinetry out of american plywood bought from uh, oklahoma lumberyard and we build all our cabinetry and truck it around the united states on 18 wheelers so that gives the ability of an asset owner there's not one inch of lost space in the kitchen we come and custom measure every kitchen so that there's not any dead space whatsoever we use up all the cabinetry space whatsoever as opposed to something you may order flat pack and you got to kind of retrofit in we do custom installations it also gives the ability the asset owner to customize the signature look of their property if they want to do white upper cabinets and gray lowers, it's it's no additional expense to the asset owner, but it gives their property a signature look that would differentiate them from a potential competition that may be down the block. I
0: I get it. Uh, Jeff, at any given point in time, how many different projects are you working on?
1: Oh, good God. Uh, We're probably acting on 15 jobs right now with another six getting ready to start.
0: I see. And how how many sponsor? For example,
1: we're active on six jobs in Georgia. We just finished a $9 million job for a very prominent uh, private equity firm out of Utah. We're active in Phoenix on two major projects. We're active in Salt Lake City. We're active in the Carolinas. We're active in Ohio. Um, We're about ready to start four more jobs in North Carolina. The demand for our services is more acute now than it was pre-pandemic because people recognize even new developers recognize they can't cash flow new developments but they can cash flow an existing asset if they put the correct amount of dollars towards renovating the asset but a general contractor that builds ground up can't do what i do and i can't do what he does we have a specific expertise in understanding how to renovate existing properties you can't dial up somebody out of the yellow pages Or call Moss Construction and they're a great company or a general GC and say, come in and renovate my property. They don't understand what we do and we understand ground up. We did some ground up here in Florida. The first two projects we built were multifamily, but the demand for renovation and repositioning services outstripped the demand for ground up construction. And that's when we switched gears a number of years ago. I
0: get that. Uh, you went where the action was. So I guess how many, and I understand what you do is different. How many other companies, if any, do what you do or purport to do what you do, which is cradle to grave,
1: A to Z? I don't know. There's a lot of companies out there. I don't focus on a lot of my competitors. I focus on my clients. I know there's a lot of companies out there that represent their self-performing. But when push comes to shove and you actually look at the composition of who's on their job site, and I'm not gonna mention any names, it appears to be a mix of some of them self-performing and a mix of subcontractors. You can't have control over the job unless it's your own workers. I can't control another crew. I have ultimate control over my crews. So using subcontractors is a detriment for a number of reasons. Each one of those companies have their own inherent overhead that detracts from that pool of money that the asset owner is aggregated to improve their property. We're a flat organization. There's only eight of us, including myself in our corporate office, but we have 500 guys out in the field, as I explained to you. So we put the money where it can positively affect the value of the asset owner's properties. The other thing I got to mention is there's a new phenomenon going on right now. And this is part and parcel due to an offshoot of the COVID outbreak. A lot of these small mom and pop motel sixes and suite hotels are just getting their faces ripped off. That The way they calculate their revenue is called RevPar. Their RevPar is down to like 20 and 30%. So what's happening is the savvy multifamily owner is going in and buying these properties and converting them to multifamily. We're involved in three what's called adaptive reuses right now. We have one project in Florida where we're converting a commercial space into assisted living facility. Another project, a luxury tower in Fort Myers, where we're taking larger units and splitting them into smaller units to get better absorption. And then we're working on a hotel property that used to be a Motel 6 and converting it directly into multifamily. Got it. Well, you know what? I have a random question
0: that is completely nonlinear, but it just it 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 just came up in my mind because it seemed like you are so amazingly immersed in multifamily. All the way into the operations and, and, and the economics of it. And, and Absolutely. yeah, which is kind of cool. So just a random question: Are you an LP? Do you ever invest in these deals? Because you clearly have
1: no, 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 no. That would be a conflict of interest. You know, we separate, we want to be a service provider and we want to be perceived as a service provider that an asset owner can put their head on their pillow and sleep at night and understand that we're operating in their best interest. When you take an equity position and you're renovating the property, it creates somewhat of a conflict of interest. Now, have we as a company invested in assets autonomously, renovated them, and retraded? Absolutely. But our main focus, and 99.9% of our efforts, are to assist the asset in accomplishing those efforts on their behalf.
0: I see. So what are the largest and or most common mistakes or oversights, however you would wanna describe it, that sponsors make uh, when they acquire assets as it pertains to, you know, a value add, you know, if they don't come from a construction background and what are the gotchas and things that they didn't really anticipate and, you know, wrong ways of approach. You know
1: what the biggest thing is? They never know the unknown unknowns. When we go in and walk a property, we can identify to them what they may not see through the naked eye. You can't look through a wall but we can look at an asset and sometimes based on the way the asset is sitting or how the floor is we can identify maladies or deferred maintenance that may not be immediately apparent to them so we're never going to obfuscate or tell an asset owner what they want to hear we're going to tell them what they need to hear in an effort to maximize the value of the property so a lot of times uh, the known unknowns The fact they don't take into account that there's lead time associated with ordering the materials uh, are probably some of the biggest challenges and the fact that they don't consult with somebody that has expertise in that area if you have somebody that's willing to go out with you and walk your asset with you to give you advice on how to maximize your investment why would you not take that person up on it if there's no cost involved with it do they ever bring you in prior to
0: showing an LOI and, and to get well,
1: it? The, the earliest we would go on is during the due diligence period. And that's the point at which uh, an asset owner has made their best and final. And they're through the due diligence period. Customer will walk the asset when the asset, uh, the asset owner goes hard or puts a hard deposit on the asset, at which point they have complete access to the property. We'll walk the units with them, make recommendations on what type of cabinetry, what colors they may want to utilize, what type of flooring. And then we'll do a competitive study of the surrounding properties, both renovated ones, as well as new ones to determine the upgrades and finishes they have. So we can mirror them at a negative price point so that they can get the necessary absorption post-construction. So
0: to drill down, and that is an amazing thing. So if you know so if i buy it you know a 200 unit building in columbus and uh you know and you're working as my partner which I, I get that's your approach in terms of what to do on the interior and it could be exterior too but let's just talk about the interior units um you will then um y- you will kind of survey competitive properties within a certain radius let's say it's a half a mile wherever the I guess wherever the competitors are, do you go in and talk to the leasing agent and say that you know you're interested in rent? We do a
1: comprehensive comprehensive study of the apartment. We have tools where we'll actually look at the units, we'll look at the composition, we'll look at the rent rule, we'll look at what rent they're charging, we'll determine the delta of the rent from new construction versus what the asset that's adjacent to it and see how much room there is for them to push rents. So for argument's sake, if a new construction is coming out of the ground for a 1, 1, 800 square feet is 1,500, and somebody bought an asset with a 1, 1, 800 square feet, and they're only charging 800 with a capital infusion, there's $700 of potential rent that they can gap up. They're not going to go right to the 1,500 because then they're going to be at the price that the new property, but they can come in at 1,300 and still add $500 in rent on top of what already exists so the biggest mistake i see asset owners make is they a renovation is a one-time capital expenditure they can amortize over a number of years don't cut corners on a renovation cash flow is in perpetuity the cash flow you get from the renovations are going to be in item finitum so don't try to save two thousand dollars and give up a hundred dollars in rump bump that you're going to collect for the next five years it's counterintuitive so we always try to find that sweet spot that's the perfect amount of money to deploy that gets the right uh, materials in place, the right upgrades and finishes that will yield the greatest return, capture all that rent bump, but not have the asset over, overspend money and not get necessary return for it.
0: Yeah, it's funny because you know I, I look at these memorandums and, uh, and, and I, I'm an LP and they talk about competition and in a way, just the nature of the beast, it's kind of saying, well, you know, hey, my wife's better looking than all the other wives are in the neighborhood. Well, you know, how do you quantify that? Bad, bad, bad analogy, because it doesn't really apply. Uh, but, but, in terms of, yes, you go, know, how high are the ceilings? How big are the units? Also, what shape are the units in? There's so many different variables to that, so I always wonder when a sponsor, or I always wonder how diligent a sponsor really is. Are they really walking the other properties? Are they really going to the property next door and saying, here, lease a leasing agent. My name is Roger, and, and I'm, I'm thinking about moving my daughter into your uh, apartment complex, and can I see see the units so i'm always curious to know what level of diligence is really done to that level to determine what the competitive landscape is
1: I don't know the answer to that, but I can tell you that it's highly competitive. There's there's not a tremendous amount of inventory on the marketplace. There's a lot of institutional dollars chasing it. So it's particularly important to the portfolio aggregators that they bring properties down. I'm not sure they spend the necessary amount of time doing that research. That's why we do it on their behalf. We want them not only to understand the merit of the work we're doing and how it's going to positively affect their property, But we want them to have a company understanding of what the surrounding properties look like the more you know information is knowledge the more information you provide them the more well suited they are to understand why the renovation that we're suggesting or the renovation they're doing is not only warranted but necessary in order for them to achieve the goals they want not only for themselves but for their investors as well a lot of people we work with are syndicators a lot of them are institutional Some of them, you know, are publicly traded where the money is uh, is readily available. But when you're dealing with syndicator money and you're taking money from an investor, we have an obligation not only to the asset owner, but we have a sub obligation to those investors that put money with that syndicator to make sure their money gets deployed correctly so does
0: you does your business i guess and it's not a critical point i'm just curious are your clients mostly the bigger institutional guys no that's not
1: the case at all we've worked with some guys that have bought their first asset and we've done you know a million dollar renovation and now we're working on four and five million dollar renovations we help them grow their business conversely we work with some of the largest companies in the world the first project we ever did was for united dominion realty it's a billion dollar company we did a $5 million renovation for them on a B asset in Austin, Texas, because someone was building a brand new A asset adjacent to it. Got it. So, so it's all over the map. Relative to
0: well, in terms of the, the size, scope, nature of your client,
1: yeah, we, like I said, we can work on anything from a 60 unit down building to a thousand unit, you know, 50 building 10 acre complex. Yeah. It's inconsequential to us. So, you know, we've done work down in Corpus Christi, Texas, where you can't find qualified labor. And we've done work in Austin, Texas, where we've used in the same crew and one renovation a year award for it.
0: Interesting. And do you do you guys um just another random question. Do you guys typically do exterior, if, if it's full tilt exterior and interior, do you do the kind of X, what do you do first? Do you do the exterior first to kind of show the community? I know
1: people always ask me that question. Hey, listen, you can do a phenomenal job. You can a, every unit interior. Uh, so it looks like Paris Hillen wants to live there. But if you don't do anything on the outside relative to changing the, the, the uh, profile of the building or the dynamics of the building, nobody driving by is going to know that anything happened on the inside. So you have to do it in parallel. You got to upgrade your exterior, make sure you rebrand the outside with new signs, repaint the building, do something that changes the composition of the outside of the building, which lets the local population know that something's going on on the inside. If you renovate your units on the inside, do nothing to the outside of the building, who's going to know what's going on? Yeah. But in our case, if somebody chose to do that, we would support them with marketing because we would do email blasts talking about the property. We do design boards that would sit in the leasing office that would show the new upgrades and finishes inside the unit. But once again, you got to drive traffic in order for that to happen. You can't get absorption without traffic, right?
0: Exactly. In hearing you kind of discuss your business A to Z, it's compelling as all get out, right? For, for an efficiency level from a cost effectiveness level for any number of reasons so i i guess you know what what i'm thinking is i is as i've been listening to you is that it's got to be inefficient if you if a sponsor has you know a a building Anywhere, it doesn't really matter where, and it's you know, and it's you know, it's a hundred units or north or even in that ballpark. It's got to be inefficient to have a third-party property management does that that does not have a to z internally, and they they are subbing stuff out that can't be as efficient from a cost perspective or in terms of effectiveness, time, it cost of labor, etc. Is what you do.
1: I totally concur. I mean, uh, th- and I don't want to say anything dispatching, third-party management companies play an important role in stabilizing assets and identifying operational efficiencies. They also charge three to 5% above and beyond the construction cost. It's duplicitous. We have our own supervision. We, we oversee our own work. We deliver the units back, absorption ready. So why should the asset owner on a $10 million job pay 5% of that For a service that's redundant to what we already do so but with that being said we work with a tremendous amount of third-party management companies a lot of guys because they own so many properties just can't effectively manage the properties but i i concur with what you say yeah i mean super
0: that's why i want to talk to you because i don't really know anything about what you do i just wanted to learn how would one get a hold of you, Jeff? And, and you know, kind of what would be your uh, suggestion to syndicators that could be listening to this or others that are developers? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, you can get a hold of us in a few ways. Uh, you could call our office directly. We have a toll free number. It's 833-825-2425. Uh, you can look us up on our corporate website, which is www.adevoconstruction.com. And there's a chat box so you can put an inquiry in and we'll reach out for you. Uh, there's a variety of ways you can get a hold of us. You can call me on my cell phone, 561 414 7292. We're a very hands on company. Everybody in this company takes on a role, always with the focus of trying to assist the asset owner in finding a better way to renovate their property and maximize their investments
0: ultimately you get uh, what you need to get out of this interview. I- I've learned an incredible amount and I appreciate your time.
1: Well, thank you so much, Roger. It was a pleasure talking to you. I hope that I provided some information to the audience that will get them thinking about better ways to renovate their property. Thank you very much for your time and perhaps you'll invite me back to the show again. Absolutely. You got it. Jeff, have a great weekend. You do the same. Thanks for your time, Roger. Be
0: well. Bye-bye. You bet.